everyone, good afternoon. Welcome to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf. Our show is produced by the World of Golf, and I'm your host, Douglas Maida. Our guest for today's show is Richard Kaufman. Richard is a golf commentator with Sky Sports. Sky Sports is based in the United Kingdom and covers primarily the LET, Ladies European Tour, and the DP World Tour, or what used to be known as the Men's European Tour. On occasion, he also covers football, or what we call soccer in North America and Australia. Richard is joining us from North London, where he lives with his family. He is joining us via Zoom, and before we introduce him, we wish to apologize because we've been experiencing connectivity problems, leading to some delays and interruptions in our conversation. However, we decided to proceed and try to make the best of the situation, so we'll thank you for your patience and understanding as the show goes on. Now, before we get to our guest, we have to take a short commercial break or messages for our sponsors. Built on a sleek titanium frame, with a light yet strong carbon body, and a precision weighting system, the new TR20 from Hanma. Speed reframed. First, it was just like these distant roars in the dark, you know? But then they started getting closer and closer, and that's when I saw it. This was no pair. It was like a bear squatch. And that's over now. What? Dad, what's a bear squatch? It's a cross between a bear and a sass. It's made up. With capability comes responsibility. The legendary 2022 Lexus GX. With Apple CarPlay support. He's usually sleeping. He'll never sleep again. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by the World of Golf and you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.worldofgolf.org or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and now on LinkedIn. We are proud to announce that We're Talking Golf has been recognized as one of the top 40 PGA and LPGA golf podcasts to follow. Now, back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader. We're back. Thank you for staying with us. Now, without any further ado, we would like to extend a big welcome to our guest, Richard Kaufman. Welcome to the show, Richard. Pleasure to be here. Hi, Douglas. Hi. Um, so tell me, Richard, uh, where are you based and how much travel do you wind up doing covering all those golf tours like that? Well, it's been a bit strange, actually, because of the pandemic. Obviously, things have changed a little bit. So I'm based in uh, North London. And I would say normally I'm away from my family about six months of the year. You know, not always in faraway lands, but quite a bit in Asia and Europe uh, and sometimes in the United Kingdom, but obviously not at home. Uh, but when the pandemic struck in uh, the early part of 2020, for example, I was in Malaysia at the time, and I got a call from my producer to tell me I wouldn't be going to Kenya the week later because the border had closed and the tournament would no longer go ahead, and that the trip to India was still going ahead, but come home, and um, we'll go to India from there. Then the Indian border closed while I was back in London, and then suddenly my family saw me at home pretty much for six months without stepping too far outside the front door. And by the time August, September came around and I eventually started doing golf tournaments again, they were quite happy to kick me out the front door. 
So uh, it was a matter of saying, thanks, Dad, but no more thanks. <laughs> but good to see you. Goodbye and get back to work. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. Yes. I think that's, yes. that's the case. You know, they, my family just used to that's the way it's always been. So it was, you know, it was lovely in a way to have that time. I wouldn't quite say it was quality time because it wasn't like we could go out and do anything, but it was just nice to be at home. So, Richard, how long have you been with Sky Sports? Well, it's um, it's not a simple question to answer. I've been on Sky Sports many, many years, but as a part, I would say officially a part of their commentary team, I'd say it's uh, maybe five or six years. Um, but for a long time before that, a lot of the golf tournaments that I would cover doing world feed, whereas other companies uh, doing Ladies European Tour or the Asian Tour, would go on Sky Sports as they probably would do on your network that, that covers golf in Canada or in North America, like the Golf Channel. But as official part of the Coventry team at Sky the last five or six years. So what is your background in golf? How did you come to the sport? And how did you, um, is there a little story um, that you have that maybe connected uh, connected you to the sport or anything like that? golfers and uh, I've grown up playing the game, loving the game, loving all sport. I used to play cricket, rugby, golf, football, tennis. Uh, unfortunately, never at a level where I threatened to be a professional. Of course, like a lot of youngsters dreamed of, of doing that. Um, and then when it came to starting a career, um, I kind of was going to go two fields. One would have been uh, in comedy because i done comedy and actually that put me in really good stead for what I do because when you fail at stand-up comedy which I did quite spectacularly nothing will frighten you about being in front of a microphone or in front of a camera if you're getting booed on stage trying to make people laugh uh, you're set for life really nothing else can intimidate you so I was either going to go to comedy or sport the first job I ever got once I finished my studies was uh, I think you should be aware of it because I know it traveled transatlantic and there was a, a canadian program whose line is it anyway um i don't know if you remember that improv show ryan styles was in it Mike shane clive anderson was the host and i was a runner on there so i was getting everyone their sandwiches um and picking up their dirty clothes or whatever else might be lying around making sure it was fed got all the drinks they wanted and was part of the production for that and simultaneously at the weekend i worked for the big London station, radio station, doing football. So I decided which one I felt I was flourishing best at, and it was the sport. And it wasn't until about three years into my sort of broadcasting career that I got my break doing golf, which was in 1996. I worked for uh, ITN Radio, so it's the kind of the independent network that opposes the BBC in the UK and they had a radio network to all the independent radio stations across the country and I've sat there a couple of months into the job there where we cover football matches and they said does anyone want to cover the golf tournament there's the PGA Championship at Wentworth I put my hand up and nobody else did and so began my time in golf I turned up at Wentworth in those days you had a big tape recorder and I stood behind the 18th green. And if you go there now, I was at the PGA Championship at Wentworth uh, doing the TV in uh, September and the change, but this 
these huge hospitality stands now. There's a big BMW car right in the stands as well where people can actually sit in it. Then there was nothing behind the 18th green. I stood there on the, I think it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday before the tournament. My dumped down all my stuff, picked up the tape recorder machine that I had. First person that was walking off the 18th green was somebody who just put on a green jacket a month earlier, Nick Faudo, Sir Nick, as he likes to obviously be called now, and uh, asked him to do an interview. And that was my first interview in golf with Nick Faudo, uh, ahead of the PGA Championship. And I suppose the rest, as they say, is history. That was me working in golf for the very first time. Wow. Well, that's quite the story, because he would have been fresh coming off that win at the Masters with uh, mm-hmm. Greg Norman in that. Can't yeah. remember if it was five shots or six shots uh, made up it on was that last day. Six shots, but he, I mean, the turnaround was was in double figures in the end because Nick won by quite a few. It. Yeah, yeah. He's. I've read something. He. I can't remember who actually won the. Go ahead, Douglas. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, I had read something that uh, he had uh, mentioned that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make back that difference in strokes because of the lead. But he said as soon as he got to the course and saw Greg working out a new grip for Sunday, he figured, oh, I got a shot. Now, it's one of the most incredible turnarounds until, of course, Jordan Spieth had his fun at, at the 12th. Uh, a few. It, it was incredible. And then that I did my my first Open Championship, and it's incredible. And, and I, you know, the years go by, and I know none of us feel old. In our heads, we're all still youngsters. But when I was at Wentworth uh, a few months ago covering the PGA Championship, it was great fun. I was in the featured groups with Sam Torrance and uh, a great team that week. And I realized it'd been 25 years since I'd covered my first golf tournament. That, And suddenly I felt very old. And uh, I know the gray hairs attest to it, but it does show there's been, a, you know, I did my first Open that year at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's. And one of my greatest memories was that Open Championship because, again, I interviewed a few people that week, Bob Charles, uh, when I got there, Nick Price. But after interviewing them, I watched this Spanish guy walking off with this young kid. And it was Seve Ballesteros, who was one of my heroes growing up. Asked him for an interview and he had this youngster standing right by him. They just played. He, he just won the amateur championship. His name was Sergio Garcia. And I spoke to Seve for two and a half minutes. I have no idea now. I wish I could somehow get hold of that interview. No idea what I asked him. Can't remember what he said. All I remember is I'm so nervous and he was so charming and lovely. Um, and yeah, that was at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's when Tom Lehman won the Open Championship. But yeah, uh, that's 25 years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Geez, time flies, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, get to another question here. What has been your most uh, memorable experience with the DP Tour? Well... I mean, I've mentioned a few already, really. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's a few. There's there's, there's moments like that, you know, for someone when it's new, it's all fresh and most exciting in a way. But I still love it now as much as I did that back then. I was just doing reports and interviewing, and now I, I feel like I'm more immersed in the tournament because I'm I'm the lead commentator. Um, the first time I did my first lead commentary on Sky Sports was the. South African Open in 2012, and that was very memorable for me, obviously, doing that. It's Henrik Stenson. It was his, one of his comebacks when he won there. Uh, I was at Tiger Woods, won the US Open by, 
I think it was 12 shots or 13 shots. I should remember, shouldn't I, off the top of my head. By this time, I was working for a national radio station in the United Kingdom, Talk Sport. I was their golf correspondent. So I was commentating with a few of the guys I still work with at Sky Sports. Um, and that same year, I was at St. Andrews when Tiger won the Open Championship and lapped the field then as well. So to see Tiger in his prime, you know, I was a PGA Championship when he took on Bob May in the playoff. I, 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 I got to see Tiger. I got to speak to Tiger at Firestone in Ohio at uh, the World Golf Championship, which was down the road from me here as well, uh, in, near Bushy in, in North London. Um, so I got to see Tiger in his prime. So those are probably the, the standout memories going back a, a decade or so, you know, being part of seeing greatness and obviously those first steps into being a, a lead commentator. And then it's just the general, you know, the camaraderie, you know, just as recently I was doing the Spanish Open on the on the European Tour, now the DP World Tour. Um, and it had been a while since we were allowed out no, we, when we were covering tournaments in the early part of the pandemic, it was golf course hotel room. You had to order in, you weren't allowed out. And yet we went to Madrid, did the Spanish Open, and uh, I was com- part of the commentary team that week was uh, Mark Rowe and uh, Rick, of course, played uh, majors, DP World Tour. Um, and just having a glass of sangria, grabbing some food, stories, you know, hearing their stories. Uh, you know, that that's what it's all about. But, you know, the experience of sort of your extended family away from home uh, on the on the golf tour. It's it's a it's a fabulous experience. I, I pinch myself so many times that I'm doing it. I love every minute of it. And uh, yeah, I'm one of the who loves their job and loves what they're doing. Yeah, those are quite some experiences to uh, to hold on to there with Tiger and his prime and whatnot and mm-hmm. and uh, meeting Seve and <laughs> You know, Europe's a little bit smaller than North America, so you can get to some of these events a little bit easier and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I think I mean I covered all the events, quite a few of the big events in the United States. I've never been to the Masters. I mentioned just before that I um, I worked for Talk Sport, a national radio station in the United Kingdom, and uh, we pretended to be at the Masters. <laughs> and I'll never forget there was one time I'm basically in this room cupboard i can't call it any more than that i'm in this room no windows i'm in south west london and i'm doing updates from the masters and in those days of course there was no featured whole coverage the internet had just started so but, but there was nothing more than a leaderboard in the morning so i'm saying you know tiger's after a great start he's birdied the first three uh you know nick price is two behind you know just the general thing it was only a, you know, a minute broadcast Anyway, I then did the next broadcast and I pretty much said the same thing. And then I went to do the next broadcast and I'd noted that at the top of the page, it says play delayed because of thunderstorms. And I hadn't realized this for about an hour because all I am is stuck in my broom cupboard. You know, no Twitter in those days, no social media, nothing to suggest other than this little line at the top of the screen saying that play was suspended because of thunderstorms. So yeah, one of my goals is, because I've been to all the other majors, is to is to one day go to Augusta National. That would be fantastic. For sure. Uh, Richard, DP World Tour. Mm-hmm. We've known it as the European Tour for years now. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, rationale and the uh, benefit of that changeover? Can you maybe share a little bit of that with our uh, listeners? 
Yes, it's called the DP World Tour now because basically it's the the tour title has a sponsorship. So DP World is Dubai Port World, who uh, you know a freight company, you know, delivering stuff all around the world, uh, and they have sponsored the European Tour. So it's a it's a financial uh, and security for the European Tour, which this year is celebrating its fiftieth. On air, I know I'm going to get it wrong. I've already got it wrong on air. I've called it the European Tour. I have my uh, wrist slap for it. it. The DP World Tour now is basically it is the European Tour. The benefits of it are what I mentioned there. As it, it financial, it provides security. You know, the European Tour during the pandemic did a fantastic job of propping up events. Uh, there are sponsors, of course, that were affected. So basically, it provides the security for the tour during the pandemic. Uh, obviously, the European tour, as it was then, was very much effective. But they were playing for uh, some reduced price fund. There was a lot of tournaments that were just uh, a million euro. So this title sponsorship has allowed uh, Keith Pelley and his team to make sure that the minimum price fund for every DP World Tour event in 2022 and for the extension of the sponsorship over the next few years is 2 million euros, $2 million minimum for each event. Um, Prize funds in general have gone up. Uh, I noted they announced it that the French Open, which will be at the Golf National in September, uh, from last year, the prize fund has, has doubled. So it, it's that's what it is. It's, it's just a change of name. It's still very much the same tour with very much the same tournaments, um, but with a financial security. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Are you catching any scuttlebutt discussion or hearing things from the players? I mean, has it been generally well-received or? Yeah, well, the players are absolutely delighted. The rank and file, if you like, the players that uh, aren't in the big tournaments, the players that won't be popping across the pond to play the PGA Tour or the World Golf Championship events, seeing their prize funds in some cases double, well, I mean, what player is not going to be happy about that? I mean, there's a lot going on in the finances of golfers right now. There has been other parties who have tried to get involved with the golfing world, and there's now been this collaboration that's been strengthened between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So this year, for the first time, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour are coming together for three events. One of them's in Europe at the Scottish Open, and two of them are in America for the Barracuda Championship at the Barbasol Championship, which uh, coincide, obviously, with some of the, the big events, some of the majors that will be happening in the States as well. So further opportunities for the rank and file players from the European Tour to even play events in the United States. Um, at the same time, other players are being offered, it seems, uh, barrow loads of money to go and play, play elsewhere. I don't know if you've seen, there's a report in today's Daily Telegraph that came out in the last few hours that Ian Porter has been offered between 20 and $30 million up front to play the Saudi Golf League. Um, I believe the package was quoted in the newspaper, if I remember rightly, at 55 million dollars in total for him so I assume that's over a number of years but he would have to sacrifice as a result one would assume playing in the Ryder Cup in 2023 and also being potential Ryder Cup captain if that was the case so there's a lot going on there's a lot of talk amongst the golfers 
amongst the broadcasters, amongst the tours of what's happening. But on the one side, you've got the great job that the DP World Tour have been doing in securing events, increasing the prize fund. And at the same time, there's this hesitancy over what's going on. And obviously, money talks and players, some players' heads will be turned. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned the 20 to 30 million. Is that in US dollars? That's US dollars, yeah. Okay. And was that 20 to 30 million you said, uh, I understand from what you said, um, was just appearance money, just show up? It's an upfront to commit. Okay. So, and was that for all of their season or just a few events? I don't know. I think it would, I, I, I'm making assumptions here. I don't know. I assume okay. it would be to commit to the league for a number of years. I see. I see. Which would then automatically probably take them out of the running then for Ryder Cup events in the future. I don't know if you noticed that we're talking, you know, obviously the Ryder Cup captaincy is up for grabs and it looks at the moment as if it's between Robert Carson, Henrik Stenson and Luke Donald. Although I saw someone throwing Paul Laurie's name into the hat uh, today as well. Um, Lee Westwood decided not to put himself forward, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Henrik Stenson uh, is one of those that may be lured with money elsewhere. So there's all this that is going on. Uh, I would be surprised if uh, Stenson was offered the job personally. I, I think from hearing from what Portrick Harrington said, and bear in mind the Ryder Cup captain is picked by the CEO of the DP World Tour, which is Keith Pelly, the Players Committee representative, which would be David Howe and the past three Ryder Cup captains, which of course, Portrick Harrington would be one of those. And he has been backing Luke Don for that. Um, but we shall see. Um, the, the areas are grayed a little by what's going on elsewhere unfortunately because i do say unfortunately because golf is if you look at the pga tour right now you look at the dp world tour right now they couldn't be in healthier spots could they i mean look at the young talent if you look at the world's top 15 right now in the world rankings you know it, it, it's fantastic if you look at the talent that's emerged on the challenge tour as well it, it's fantastic as well um but obviously other people want a piece of the pie and I don't know about you, Douglas, but if someone said to me, you're doing a great job when I'm hearing you, uh, I'd like to make you secure for life by offering you something else, you'd, you'd be willing to listen, wouldn't you? Um, human instinct, some might say, and do they actually need more? And I suppose that's down to individuals to decide, isn't it? Pretty heady stuff going on. Richard, what are some of the things that you would... Uh be on the lookout for or some things to watch storylines players things like that for 2022 yeah disappointing in a way there was no q school for the dp world tour for 2022 ladies later on and there was for the ladies european tour and of course there was q series for the lpga tour uh, but there wasn't so in terms of new talent coming through we're pretty much reliant on those that have come through the challenge tours the top 20 on the challenge tour secured their cards for 2022 on the DP World Tour. Uh, the number one player on that was uh, a Dane, Marcus uh, Helikilda, who won the final event last four months. He's 
he's not a, what can I say, a flashy player. He's a very solid player. He's not one that's going to just throw everything at, at the flag, but obviously he's got the killer instinct. He's a, he's a winner. So he might be one to look out for. And in fact, if I'm going to point out any players, I, I think I'm going all Danish because you've got the two young Hoygaard twins, Nikolai and uh, Rasmus, who are just fantastic players. And of course, already DP World Tour winners. It would surprise me to see one or even both of those players make a push for the 2023 Ryder Cup team. That's how good they both are uh, and, and have already shown themselves to be. So those are some of the players to watch. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the, the tournaments that are going on right now, we've seen some fantastic events. I don't know if you saw the uh, Stink Dubai. There's a classic uh, at the weekend, but what a fantastic finish that was. Uh, unless you're a big Rory McIlroy fan, you might not have enjoyed it so much. And Abu Dhabi as well was a great start to the season. So, you know, there's lots to look forward to on the DP World Tour. Uh, maybe not quite as much young talent coming through as might have been the case if uh, there had been Q school, but nonetheless, still plenty to see. Yeah. Uh, what can you say? Poor Rory. 24 months ago, he was on a pretty good little stretch there. What not? So let's hope he gets back on one. Yeah. He's got Augusta yeah, I mean, coming he did. Up. Yeah. Every time Augusta comes around, it's a, can the Grand Slam be completed? I think the pressure is taken off him the, the longer it goes on. I don't think there's anyone who would not be delighted to see Rory do that. Well, right, exactly. You don't want to see it become a situation like Phil Mickelson in the US Open, right? I mean, it just... Well, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but it's nearly eight years since his last major. I mean, you'd never have thought that back in 2014 that you would still be waiting here in 2022 for Rory to win another one. I mean... The guy's got so much talent. Um, he's such a joy to watch. He's such a pleasure to listen to. Um, he's one of those golfers that I love hearing speak. Sometimes I don't agree with everything he says, but he generally speaks his mind and is a, a fantastic sort of role model, I would say, in, in the world of golf. I think we're very lucky to have someone like Rory McIlroy uh, at the top of the game. Um, and as a you know, as a result of that, I would love. I mean, absolutely love to see him slip on that green jacket in Augusta, but you do worry. It happened at the Tour Championship, the DP World Tour Championship the in November at the end of then European Tour season. It's happened start of this season to him where he's been in winning positions and he's let it slip through his fingers. I hope that doesn't chip away his confidence and self-belief. Before we move on uh, and take a quick break, I wanted to ask you, I was reading Monty's comments a couple of days ago about uh, the next Ryder Cup captain and what do you make of that? Personally, I think Robert Carlson, Luke Donald, Henrik Stenson, I think they'd all be fabulous captains. Henrik Stenson's, uh, I mean, he's got a great personality. He's, he's funny, he's witty, and obviously he has been a big Ryder Cup. Robert Carlson's been a, an assistant many times, obviously played his part in the Ryder Cup as well over the years. And Luke Donald, we're talking about a former number one, um, who probably be... I, I would say probably the, the safer option. He's very popular uh, amongst his peers as well. Um, I, I mean, personally, if you'd have asked me a year ago who I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to be Lee Westwood, but Lee still feels he has the game to play in a Ryder Cup as he, as he did in the last one. And, you know, this is a guy who's in the top field. The timing isn't quite right for him to, to take that position right now. So I, I, I do understand, as I said, I read a, uh, from one of the, Papers in Scotland today saying, you know, Paul Laurie is a name that should also be mentioned. Uh, what he's done for golf in Scotland is fantastic. He's a mentor to some of the 
young players coming through. He's helped uh, produce the talent that's come through in Scotland. Uh, and of course, he's a major winner and a Ryder Cup player in his own right as well. But I would be surprised if Paul did get the job. I would say the three that I mentioned, two Swedes, Carlson and Stenson and, and Luke Donald would be the favourites, probably Donald edging ahead of the, the two Swedes. We're going to take a short break for some commercial messages. And then when we come back, we're going to chat a little bit now about the LET series, the Ladies European Tour. So we'll be right back. First, it was just like these distant roars in the dark, you know, but then they started getting closer and closer. And that's when I saw it. This was no pair. It was like a pear squatch. And that's over now. What? Dad, what's a bear squatch? It's a cross between a bear and a sass. It's made up. With capability comes responsibility. The legendary 2022 Lexus GX with Apple CarPlay support. He's usually sleeping. He'll never sleep again. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Legend has it that in the great storm of 1781, John Jameson lost a barrel of his beloved smooth whiskey. He said goodbye to the crew and went in after it. In hindsight, that probably wasn't a good idea. Weeks later, a funeral was held. All of Ireland was in attendance, including John Jameson and his smooth-tasting whiskey. Please remember to drink responsibly. The all-new Honda Civic is designed to move you. In fact, Car and Driver has called the Civic more fun to drive than top competitors. Because in their performance testing, the Civic was the quickest around the track. With more power and sharper handling than its rivals. The all-new Honda Civic, built for all kinds of fun. Contact your Honda dealer today or shop online. Hi, welcome back and thank you for staying with us. Now let's get into the last segment of our show. We're going to chat a little bit about the Ladies European Tour with our guest, Richard. Uh, Richard, let's get right to the fact that this is going to be the LET's year, second year, I believe, in partnership with the LPGA. Did you um, want to have any thoughts or share any ideas about where it's going and, and what your thought process is with how successful it's been so far? Yeah, and well done to people actually for, for sticking with me, with me rambling on. You've done very well so far. I'll try, try and keep it entertaining as well for this uh, for this last part. Yeah, it, it's, been, it's been fantastic, really, the, the collaboration between the Ladies European Tour and the LPGA Tour. I think it's worked really well. The, the Ladies European Tour... I, I, been commentating on and off for the Ladies European Tour for over a decade. Uh, I think back in 2008, 2009, the first year I started to commentate on it when we were just doing kind of nightly highlights, which would be put on late at night in the UK and elsewhere across Europe. Um, and I'm sure, it, you know, little segments of highlights, but in North America as well. And now I, I think this year, I, I, I haven't counted it, but I think I might be covering 15, 16 either Ladies European Tour or LPGA Tour events, because, of course, some of those changes I'll be at Evian, I'll be at the, the AIG Women's Open, and there's a couple that are co-sanctioned with the LPGA Tour, like the Scottish Open um, and the uh, ISPS Handa World Invitation, which was won by Pajari Anadarukana, who I know you chatted to uh, a little while back as well on uh, We're Talking Golf. It was great to hear that. So I think it's worked really well. I think it was so so important for the Ladies European Tour 
the more golf, the better, the more tournaments, the better for my work. But for the for the young talent in Europe coming through, I feared that the ladies European tour was becoming fragmented. They would go, they play a tournament and then they'd go a, a month or more without playing a tournament. And then they play another tournament and then another month without one. And how do you build up any momentum? How do you play to any kind of consistency when you're stop start and you have more weeks practicing than you do playing golf tournaments? Uh, and I feared for the Ladies European Tour as an entity. So when the help came in from the DP World Tour as well as the RNA and from the PGA Tour, but most, of course, importantly, from Mike One at the time and the, the LPGA Tour, it was a no-brainer. Of course, it went to the members, Ladies European Tour players, and thankfully, and I think quite rightly, they agreed to do given what happened soon afterwards with COVID pandemic and the shutdown of golf uh in europe without it i don't think i'd be heading to never mind 17 golf tournaments or whatever it is i'm doing with the ladies european tour this year i'd be lucky if it was three or four i think because i don't think the ladies european tour would be existing anywhere near like it is without it so i think it's been a fantastic collaboration i hope it continues to improve we, we know who the, the little sister is here the lpga tour is of course where the top players in the world want to be but it doesn't mean you can't have a healthy flourishing ladies european tour at the same time bringing through the talent and, and it really is continuing to bring through the talent so yeah fantastic collaboration yeah that's great news um you're talking about the let and the challenge it had with the covid situation when it first hit how valuable was the rose series in terms of keeping golf going during that break yeah the rose ladies series was important i mean i don't want to overplay it or underplay it for that matter but bear in mind there are other series going on in various different countries but in the uk really important because for the players on the ladies european tour there was based in the uk there was no goal for them to play there were tournaments happening on the lpga tour and then there were majors coming along and if there hadn't been that row series then there have been a number of players that wouldn't have had any build-up to a really important part of their schedule. And it, it was fantastic that it was a, an idea that came around from one of the players, Liz Young, just wanted to put on an event uh, on her home course, some golf for some of the players that she knows on the Ladies European Tour that are based in the United Kingdom. And then it was picked up by one of the newspapers, The Telegraph in the United Kingdom. Then that was picked up by Justin Rose, uh, out in the United States and his wife, Kate, and they got behind it. And I just think it's fantastic what Justin Rose did with that. Um, I know he's not the only male golfer that gets behind ladies golf, but he put his money where his mouth is. And I know it meant the to those players. It, you know, I got to commentate on some of those events prior to the ladies European tour resuming uh, Charlie Hull was playing some of them, Georgia Hall, Ron T. Law, uh, and the rank and file of the Ladies European Tour from the UK that just wouldn't have had the opportunity to, one, play for money, but two, to play competitively and get themselves ready for the, the 2020 season when it resumed in August. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. And and Kate's been quite the uh, leader herself in terms of rallying everybody around and getting them active and whatnot. How are you feeling about the... Uh... Q school situation for the ladies European tour this year. I mean, uh, there's been a few players that come through. Are there any notables you're watching? I know for me pers personally, I followed the, uh, Gabby 10, um, mm -hmm. travels cause she had 
you know, uh, just missed out on the Q series here. And then she went to Europe and uh, managed to qualify. I think finished first even uh, on the uh, Q school series there. And the other one I've been watching a lot is Megan McLaren. Well, Megan's a a fantastic writer and she is very inspiring. Uh, Every time I uh, see Megan on the ladies European tour, it's great to catch up and talk to her. She loves golf, loves sport and uh, is a fabulous player as well. Um, after what she went through, the heartbreak of uh, missing out at LPGA Q Series to come over and, and get her card at Q School on the Ladies European Tour was fantastic. But I think um, another boost for, for Ladies Golf was uh, the title sponsorship, new title sponsor for the second tier of Ladies Golf in America. So I think Megan will be playing mainly on that. It'd be interesting to see what Gabby Ten does uh, with her schedule, because I'm sure she'll try and play some events in the United States. But yeah, looking forward to seeing what she does in Europe. It's really hard to know exactly because I haven't seen any of these players play. Um, one player that won the second tier in Europe, the Axis Tour that's going to be coming on tour, a player called Lily Mae Humphreys, who's a, a young player with a, a lot of potential. Uh, the fact that she turned pro in June and then was the number one player on the Axis Tour shows her potential. She's played Curtis Cup and was a, a top amateur um, then there's a Q school, Becky played Solheim Cup. She came through. I mean, it's an incredible story, Becky, with her struggles from being a Solheim Cup player to someone who was knocking on the door of being a regular on the LPGA Tour to completely losing her game. She had the driving yips, didn't know if it was going left, didn't know if it was going right. Obviously, many times thought about quitting the game, but has stuck with it, come through, and the signs are that maybe... She's going to get back, I don't know whether to her best, because she was one of the great ball strikers in her prime. Uh, whether she can get back to something close to that, it's going to be interesting to see. And then there's the stories like uh, Virginia Elena Carter, who um, went to Duke University, could have then turned pro, but did a postgraduate at Cambridge University in environmental policy. I don't think there's too many Cambridge graduates that are graduated for the, uh, for the Ladies European Tour, but uh, she's already um, performed well on the Ladies European Tour. Uh, like Megan McCarran, Pauline Roussin-Bouchard went to Q-Series in America, qualified, came to Europe, qualified again, and she's already a, a Ladies European Tour winner. She looks like she's going to be a fantastic golfer. So those are some of the players that at Q-School come through the Axis Tour. So unlike the DP World Tour we talked about earlier, there is going to be um, this fresh talent coming through in European golf uh, amongst the women because what they've done as well, they changed the way uh, the policy of the Ladies European Tour. So you had to be top 40 on the Race to Costa del Sol last season to be in the top echelons of the tour, so guaranteed starts. Then they've gone to the next, the top 20 at Q School, and then they've gone to 40 to 60 in um, in the order of merit to guarantee your start. So they're giving that fresh Q school players a really good chance of, of keeping their car because I think in the old days, it was only the top five that came in next as opposed to the top 20. Where do the uh, LET access players fit in that scheme, Richard? Well, the access players, I think they come after the top 60. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think I'm correct in saying that. Uh, and you mentioned Becky. I didn't catch her last name. What was? 
Sorry, say that again, Douglas. You had mentioned Becky trying to uh, is making a com- bit of a comeback and uh, getting getting her game in shape again. I didn't quite catch Becky's last name. You had a brief moment of cutting out. Yeah, Becky Brewerton. So the player that uh, played Solheim Cup uh, 2009, I believe. Um, Welsh golfer, fantastic ball striker, uh, and just went through a, a horrendous time mentally um, um, in terms of her driving um, for a number of years. And it's only really the last few years she's managed to break it down. If you if you want to read more about Becky's story, she I think she has her own website, uh, which is well worth a look. And she's written blogs on it. Uh, it's a fantastic read. She's a brilliant talker as well. So if you, I'm sure there are some interviews that you can find on YouTube too with her. Well worth a listen because she's really good at describing both in word and uh, in audio as well to get back to where she is now. Right. Okay. Well, that's something we can definitely look at too, for sure. Um, there's another young player that seems to be making a little bit of a splash, Richard. I'm trying to remember the, her name off the top of my head, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. I believe her first name is Kiara. Oh, Kiara uh, uh, Noya. Yeah, f- yes. 15 years of age. She's based out in uh, Dubai. Very tall. I got to watch her at the Dubai couple of events in Saudi at the end of last year. She didn't get her card through a Ladies European Tour Q School, but got a couple of starts last year. Hopefully she'll get some starts this year on the Ladies European Tour. I'm sure she'll play some of the events on the Axis Series as well. I mean, to turn pro at the age of 15, questionable whether you think that's too young or not. Um, listen, uh, look at the player that won at the weekend, Lydia Ko. I think she did all right by uh, turning pro at such a young age. And Lexi Thompson's another one as well. Um, but there's no doubt about it. This girl's got a, and I call her a girl because she is at the age of 15, an athlete already at the at her tender age. And she has all the tools to do, have a, a very good career. Obviously, there are no guarantees, but she appears to have a good team behind her. I managed to speak briefly with her parents as well when I was in Dubai too. And they seem like, you know, very down to earth people. Uh, you know, not the pushy parent kind of people who I'm sure keep Kiara grounded. Uh, uh, yeah, she's got all all the chances of having a great future ahead of her. We shall see. And then uh, the LET had a couple of its uh, more notable players graduate on to the LPGA with probably, at least in the case of Ataya Titical, um, definitely with enough uh, priority to be playing regularly on the LPGA. Uh, is there going to be a little bit of a hold, do you think, yeah, in well, the LET? I mean... No, because as I mentioned already, uh, with the Access Tour and with, uh, Q, uh, with Q School as well, there's so much talent coming through. So here are some players that are going to be playing on the Ladies European Tour this year. A player that couldn't play at all last year because of a back injury, but finished second on the Order of Merit the year before, a young Swedish player called Julia Engstrom, who is a fantastic ball striker. Mentioned Becky, a few struggles with the putting yips, um, I'm off to Kenya in a week or so, and she's making a comeback there. A tournament where she led by seven shots going into the final round and lost to Esther Henselite uh, in heartbreaking fashion. She struggled health-wise that week and struggled with her putter that week, especially in that last round, but has the talent to be a, a Solheim Cup player. Uh, and Julia's coming back from injury after a year out. Pia Babnik is only 17 years 
And she could well be the longest player on the Ladies European Tour. She hits it out there with some of the longest players on the LPGA Tour. She's 17. She's already a winner on the Ladies European Tour. She could have gone to Q Series at the end of the year because the top five players from the Ladies European Tour uh, got into Q Series. So Atai Titikan went, Olivia Cowan went, Sana Newton went, Steph Kiriakou went, and all got their card. I think shows the strength of the Ladies European Tour. Pia Babnik could have gone because I think she finished third on the rankings or fourth, I can't remember, uh, off the top of my head at this stage, but she finished in the top five for certain. But she decided she wanted to do studies, stay in Europe for another year, and we're going to be very fortunate to have her. I mentioned already Lily Mae Humphreys, who's was an amateur star, already won a couple of times on the Axis tour. And then there's Maya Stark, another Swedish player, um, I think in July or August last year, won two of her first three events on the Ladies European Tour, finished sixth on the rankings uh, in just about six or seven events. Incredible. Another prodigious hitter. Um, and, and so the talent just, you know, there's going to be names coming through that I haven't mentioned. There's going to be plenty of players who are going to be, you know, entertaining us, producing the goods. And then you've got the Banco Team Series events, the co-sanctioned event with the DP World Tour, which is the Scandinavian mix, the co-sanctioned tents with Scotland and in Northern Ireland at the ISPS Handerworld Invitational, where the so-called bigger name players um, have come across. So last year, you know, we ended the year in Saudi with Lydia Co winning. Uh, we've seen Lexi Thompson and Charlie Hull and Georgia Hall. Um, all the big name players playing in Europe in, in 2021. I expect more of the same in 2022, but all that young talent coming through as well. It's uh, it, it's great to see. Yeah, the LET is definitely uh, on the way up again, and that's great to see. I mean, there's, and it's going to make for tremendous competition in the Ryder Cup. So, <laughs> pardon me, Solheim Cup. Well, well it, it is. is. That was a I mean, I mean, how incredible was that? Uh, last year at uh, the Inverness Club. Um, and of course, Emily Pedersen is another player that that, that was ladies European Tour last season, came through Q-Series, has now got her card on the LPGA Tour again. Uh, Emily is another fabulous ball striker who I hope can now show her talent on the, on the bigger stage. And let's face it, it is the biggest stage of the, the LPGA Tour. But the ladies European Tour is doing a fantastic job of now having a regular run of events and making these players game ready for when they do take the next step. The fact that four, the top five players were allowed to go to LPJQ series, only four of them went. And all I think that result in itself shows you the health, the way the ladies European tour is in good health. I mentioned Solheim Cup. Any mm -hmm. uh, last thoughts about uh, Suzanne Pedersen as captain and uh, playing in Andalusia? Yeah, looking forward to that. I think it in next year. Uh, Suzanne Pedersen, I assume, will be an entertaining captain. Um, she's had her moments in the Solheim Cup, some not so good, some bibliometric. Um, I'm interested to see who the US captain is going to be alongside her. I hope it's Christy Kerr. That would make uh, an interesting uh, clash of the captains in, in itself. Um, Christy, someone I've interviewed on my own podcast before, actually, Christy Kerr. Um, and uh, yeah, she was fabulous to talk to. And she was very much, when I spoke to her, and this was a couple of years ago, very, very strong in that she wanted to be a Solheim Cup captain. So I'm sure if she was 
oh, it's something she would take. I think there's talk potentially it might be Stacey Lewis. Um, but I still feel Stacey's got the game to play in the Soho Cup personally. But um, yeah, we'll see. Suzanne's going to be a, a fabulous captain. She's going to be, she's highly respected by uh, the players that will play for her. Of course, she's been an assistant for the last couple. She's now retired, but she's still very much involved in the game. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing what the European team can do next season because it was an incredible win for them in the United States. And I think at the moment, the uh, the European team have uh, got a bit of a grip on the Solheim Cup. And obviously I stay neutral when I'm commentating, but talking to you right now, I can say long may it continue. <laughs> well, the European side seems to be a little bit more in the ascendancy right now. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the crop of younger players. And, and you know what? We Neither of us even mentioned Leona Maguire. And yet, there she is right there in the thick of it all. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does this year on the LPGA Tour because every year Leona Maguire improves. Last year, she came so close to winning in majors, so close to winning in regular LPGA Tour events. So I'm expecting Leona Maguire to win this season on the LPGA Tour. Yeah, she's definitely uh, been knocking on the door and that would be a natural progression for her, for sure. Uh, Richard, we're coming to the end of our show. Uh, let me ask you what's next for you um what's your next event and what do you have on the go for in terms of your podcast and other things like that well the, the podcast is is on the back burner so i uh if anyone wants to check it out it's the round golf podcast and uh basically they're timeless podcasts i hope so even though some of them recorded even a couple of years ago it, the premise of the podcast is the round golf podcast. So it starts with the round that was the most important round in the player's career. So if you're interested in the ladies game, there's uh, I, I do everything in person uh, with Mel Reed, Christy Kerr, Lizette Salas, Katrina Matthew, Kari Webb and Laura Davis. And of course, we talk about the golf, but with Lizette Salas, we have a good chat about Donald Trump, for example, uh, Christy Kerr about the bullying she received, Mel Reed about how she came out and what that meant to her. Uh, Laura Davis was just a, a fabulous chat. I get to work. It's a joy always to work with Laura Davis when I'm commentating. And she was just a fabulous interview. And in the men's side, there's major champions like Davis Love and Podrick Harrington and Gary Player. But there's also some players you might not have heard of who just got the most amazing stories. Uh, I actually was brought to tears in one of them with uh, a guy called Mike Kaya. You may or may not have heard of it. He started crying. I cried. Um, and it kind of, for me personally, ruined the podcast a bit because I kind of lost it, which you're not supposed to do as an interview. But his story is just so shocking and amazing um, that it reduced me to that. Um, and, you know, with Gary Player, you know, you talk about apartheid, and, you know, cover topics of dyslexia and epilepsy and all, all kinds of things. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's the round golf podcast so i'm not doing any more of those i am off for my first ladies european tour event next week so i'm off to kenya in africa uh, east africa um some journey it is as well via i can't remember where i'm going, I think I'm going via ethiopia to kenya and then it's a couple of hours drive from mombasa to the venue which is vipingo ridge which i've been to a couple of years ago when esther henslight pipped uh, Julia Engstrom to the title. So both of those players are in the field for that. Looking forward. Then we'll be covering uh, some, uh, I'm doing a, an Asian tour event in the beginning of March and then 
doing another Ladies European Tour event and then I'll be starting my first event on the DP World Tour uh, at the end of March. So, yeah, it gets going properly for me uh, from next week, really, in terms of uh, the golf. In the meantime, here I'm doing some football or soccer matches, depending where you are, um, uh, in the uh, United Kingdom. I uh, do some broadcast coaching for sportsmen and women who want to get into the into media, coming towards their end of their career. So I'll be doing some of that as well. Um, and obviously trying to entertain my children who have uh, got to see me for the last couple of months because I've been at home most of uh, December and January. Uh, and I'm sure they're looking forward to bidding me farewell as I go on my trips, kicking dad out of the house. Okay. Well, that sounds great. You've got a very busy schedule and getting back to life on the road again. Fantastic. Is there any... Any other last words you'd like to share with us, Richard? Or? No, no, Douglas, it's just been a pleasure. I hope uh, uh, it's been entertaining for anyone who's uh, been listening with us all the way uh, to the end. Good luck you know, with your podcast as well. I think it's terrific what you're doing, Douglas. I, I know you, you cover a lot of the stories in, in, in the ladies' game in particular. And I just, you know, when I was doing my podcast, I was very keen to make sure that there was as many men, uh, as many women as there was men for it as well. Uh, Golfing world now is taking ladies golf. I'm not saying they weren't taking it seriously before, but I think in terms commercially, I think people are, take, are taking women's golf more seriously on a commercial level. And I think that's only quite right because the talent is there and these players deserve the platform. You know, one of the big stories in the last six months has been the price fund offered to the women at the AIG Women's Open. They're going to be playing for $6.8 million at Muirfield in the summer and at the US Women's Open, they're going to be playing for $10 million. Uh, the price funds have increased on the LPGA Tour and, and no more than they deserve. The product's there. Hopefully people get watching and, you know, the more people talk about it, the more people know it's there. Hopefully the more eyes that go on it and uh, hopefully those that are talking over it, like myself, do a, a, a good, job, good enough job to justify it. <laughs> well, I'm sure that'll continue. Uh, Thank you very much, Richard. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. It's been fantastic. I'll just apologize to our audience a little bit about quality of the internet and our um, our um, broadcast a little bit. So, but you know, what can you do? I mean, there's the time zone. We've got all of this going on, and we're so lucky to have you as a guest. So, thank you so much, Richard. Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Douglas. Absolutely. Thanks. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. And remember, if you're playing golf, keep that ball on the short grass. You have been listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, produced by the World of Golf. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. If you have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of the World of Golf. Thank you for joining us.